so it's been back to school season uh, in our household. Our oldest started kindergarten. Our middle son just went back to preschool. If you have kids, you're in that, uh, in that season as well. If you don't have kids, you know from the change in traffic flow that it is uh, back to school time. I even know a couple of adults who are going back to school to finish a degree or to get a new degree. A lot of respect for, for them. School is important. Learning is important. Degrees are important. However, the best, most important learning happens when we say yes to following Jesus and live our lives following in his way. The word disciple, after all, literally means learner. If we're called to be disciples of Jesus, that means we are called to learn from him, to be trained and formed by him. So over the next four weeks, we will be going back to school with Jesus, getting a refresher from scripture about what it looks like to be uh, to what discipleship with Jesus looks like so that we might be able to live into that wonderful, beautiful, extraordinary calling and mission that Jesus gives to ordinary people just like us. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us, transform us, so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray in your holy name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 4. Hear now God's word. As Jesus walked alongside the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew throwing their nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away they left their nets and followed him. Continuing on, he saw another set of brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left, uh, they left their nets, the boat and their father, and followed him. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. He announced the good news of the kingdom and healed every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread throughout Syria. People brought to him all those who had various kinds of diseases, those in pain, those possessed by demons, those with epilepsy, and those who were paralyzed, and he healed them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Follow me. And I'll show you how to fish for people. Jesus wasn't standing in the synagogue talking to Pharisees or the religious experts in Jewish law when he issued this invitational command. He wasn't addressing the first graduating class of the Kingdom of God College who had, who had uh, taken all the necessary classes and passed the final exam. He was walking along the shore and saw a couple of fishermen fishing. Ordinary fishermen. Maybe they had heard of Jesus. Maybe they were faithful Jews. Who knows? But it doesn't seem to matter to Jesus. Jesus issues a command to follow him, and right away, without knowing much about Jesus, without knowing where he was going, they left their nets and followed. That is nothing short of a miracle. 
nothing short of a miracle. We see Jesus doing many miracles in the Gospels, healing people, throwing out demons, multiplying loaves and, and fishes. It is just as miraculous that Jesus would call ordinary, imperfect, lacking in knowledge fishermen to follow him and be his disciples. And without hesitation, they would say, yes, drop their nets behind and follow. It is just as miraculous that Jesus would call ordinary, imperfect people who, have, who don't have it all figured out like you and me to follow him and his, be his disciples. And, and we would say, yes. Discipleship is an ongoing miracle of call and response. Notice that discipleship happens at the invitation of Jesus. God always goes first. Do you notice that? God always goes first. Jesus is the initiator, not us. Now, typically in those days, people interested in studying Jewish scripture and, and, and law or tradition would seek out a rabbi or, or teacher, sit at his feet and, and learn under. In other words, teachers did not go out on the road and recruit students. Not so with Jesus' disciples. Jesus sought out his followers then, and Jesus seeks out his followers now. Discipleship is not an offer we human beings extend to Christ. It is only Jesus' call which creates the situation. Discipleship is not an offer that we human beings make to Christ. It's only Jesus' call which creates the situation. In other words, we don't earn it. We don't cause it. It comes to us because Jesus comes to us. It comes as gift. United Methodists call this prevenient grace, that grace of God that woos us, that goes before us to draw us to the ways of Jesus. When you look at the person of Jesus, the kind of person he is, the abundant life he lives, the depth of character he has, do you ever wish you could be more like him? Good news. If you share this desire to trust Jesus and become more like him and his ways, and you're committed to live like him more and more, then, then Jesus is calling you to be his disciple. Just as he called Simon and Andrew and James and John. And then we, like them, respond again and again which is also miraculous. It's a, it's a response of trust. It's a response of trust, not knowledge or expertise. N notice what Jesus doesn't do when he calls uh, the disciples. He, he doesn't put them through some kind of litmus test to make sure they, they check all the right boxes. He doesn't make them sign a doctrinal statement. He doesn't say they have to know everything about him already. He doesn't tell them to get their lives together first. He doesn't tell them that they're going to have to go through a series of classes first, and then they can start doing things with him. He doesn't even tell them, follow me, and I'll punch your ticket to heaven. He says, follow me, and I'll enlist you in my mission here on earth. Did they even know what fishing for people meant? Did they know that in three years Jesus would be executed on a cross? Did they know that they would start the church? These guys did not know where Jesus was going. They simply put their footsteps in his and followed. 
despite not having vast knowledge about Jesus, despite not having knowledge about his uh, agenda, despite not having a roadmap for the journey, they obeyed the call. There is no informational or, or skill prerequisite for following Jesus and being his disciple. You don't, you don't take a class. You don't check a bunch of boxes. You don't pass through a holiness litmus test. In the miracle of Jesus' call and our response, discipleship is trusting Jesus to lead us where he wants us to be. It is then through following him that we grow and know as we trust him more and more with more parts of our lives. I think we've gotten it backwards. Maybe because we're so wired to think of knowledge equaling spiritual legitimacy. Christians and churches have often operated in a way that suggests discipleship is like this, this, this sequence. Know, grow, follow. Know, grow, follow. Like, I learn things about Jesus. My learning things about Jesus helps me grow. And then I reach a point where I follow him and say, this, say and do the things that he did. But if we actually take this scripture seriously and the entire ministry of Jesus seriously, Jesus' model of discipleship is different. It's more like follow, grow, know. Follow me, I'll show you how to fish for people. They trust Jesus, they begin to follow him and see what he does and says, and in so doing, grow, and as they grow, they come to know the saving truth about his rescue plan for the world. John Wimber says, a a disciple is always ready to take the next step. If there's anything that characterizes Christian maturity, it's the willingness to, It's the willingness to become a beginner again for Jesus. It's the willingness to put our hand in his and say, I'm scared to death, but I'll go with you. You are the pearl of great price. In other words, it is a constant exercise in trust. Over and over again, Jesus says, follow me, follow me, follow me. And over and over again, we're invited to respond in trust with more and more and more of our lives. That's really where discipleship happens after all, isn't it? It happens in our everyday lives. That's Jesus' classroom. Being a disciple of Jesus is not simply about information, but imitation and immersion. Most teaching experts and sociologists agree that there are three primary ways that we learn. Classroom, apprenticeship, and immersion. Classroom learning is when facts or information are transferred from teacher to student in kind of a classic uh, lecture uh, setting. Apprenticeship is when someone learns a set of skills by apprenticing herself to someone who has already mastered those skills. Immersion is when someone is placed into a particular environment and learns by picking up what he sees and experiences. We learn best when there's a dynamic interplay between all of those three. We know this, right? You don't learn a car simply by reading a manual. You apprentice yourself to your parents or an older sibling. And then you're, you're placed, you're immersed in the driving world when you get a learner's permit. How much more so than with Jesus, right? When, when Jesus calls us to be his disciples or to be his learners, he's not primarily talking about sitting us down in a classroom and putting information in our brains with the hope that we we turn into people who look more like him. He's looking for apprentices, 
who will watch what he does and says and how he does and says and imitate it while immediately placing us in an environment where we learn through relationships and experiences. Follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. They follow and then boom, you heard it in the scripture. Like immediately Jesus is traveling throughout Galilee, teaching, preaching, healing. The disciples are Jesus' apprentices learning on the job. Life on life, relationship on relationship. Our actual life, our actual life is the focus of our apprenticeship to Jesus. It's not doing, it's not doing certain religious things sometimes and then other stuff other times. It's learning from Jesus how to lead our whole life. Our whole real life. You and I in the, midst of our, in the midst of our actual lives are exactly the people Jesus wants. We are called to be with him, to learn from him how to be like him. Called to be with him, to learn from him how to be like him. Playing our part from day one. I mean, that's amazing, right? How amazing is that? That's incredible. At some point, we, we kind of traded this. We traded this discipleship happening in all of life, learning as we go for depositing ideas into mind containers. Like if we just consume the right info, learn the right things, then we'll become the right kind of people. Like first people are supposed to believe what we tell them is true, then they can follow Jesus. This really makes discipleship only about the first kind of learning. Like, hear this sermon, read this book, take this class, check these boxes. Now, please hear me. All of this is important. Information is important. Classroom learning has its place. Jesus sat the disciples down and taught them and gave them information. It's just that's not the only nor the primary way that Jesus discipled his disciples. There's a great deal of pressure that way. It can make it seem like, like I need to learn a bunch of things first, figure out things first, and then only then can I graduate to the level of disciple and do the stuff that Jesus wants me to do. Being a disciple of Jesus is not the equivalent of some kind of advanced informational spiritual master's degree. It's more like a lifelong apprenticeship to Jesus. An apprenticeship conveys a journey that can't simply be bypassed. The only way we can truly grow as a disciple of Jesus is by trying out the lifestyle we're observing in him. The way we grow as a disciple of Jesus is by trying out the lifestyle that we observe in him. This gives us knowledge and experience in the context of a loving relationship with Jesus. We had a, uh, a water pipe leak this week at, um, at Wake Forest. United Methodist where I have my office and it was a, a tiny a, a hole caused by rust and it was squirting water straight out like a tiny little jet stream like a squirt gun uh, probably the original pipe from 1937 as far as I know we tried some of that um, flex seal tape uh, but that didn't stop the leak like the water just found more ways to to escape it felt like that cartoon of that person trying to plug the wall or the dam that's leaking and like using all the fingers and toes and the water just keeps like coming out of a different place so uh, anyway, so we called in the expert. We called in a plumber. And he, knowing exactly what he was doing, he, 
He turned the water off, he, he cut the pipe, he inserted a new one, and he fixed the problem. Great. But imagine, imagine if he had come in and said, you know what, guys, I've got good news for you. I've read in many books about this kind of pipe. I know all about it. It's made of cast iron. It was manufactured in 1935, and it has a typical lifespan of about 80 years. It's one inch in diameter and one-eighth of an inch thick. Here's the thing. You know, I've actually never fixed a rusty pipe before. Here we go. Like when you, when you have a leaky pipe, you, you want someone who has experience working with pipes, not just someone who has read about them. Would you trust a doctor to perform open heart surgery who only had classroom experience but no residency? I know all kinds of things about the human heart, but you're my first surgery. Here we go. When you, when you need open heart surgery, you, want, you don't want a doctor who knows a lot about the human heart. You want a doctor who's performed surgery on the human heart. Jesus doesn't want people who understand about forgiveness. He wants people who forgive their friend when they wronged them. Jesus doesn't want people who understand justice. He wants people who are helping to bring it about. Jesus doesn't want people who understand prayer. Jesus wants people who pray every day for others. Jesus doesn't want people who understand mission. Jesus wants people whose heart and lives beat with love for their neighbor who are committed to, to serving and blessing and inviting them to find their place at Jesus' table. When he calls us, Jesus assumes that we will live our lives as his students and co-laborers. That following his invitation, we'll see what he said and did, and we would find him so wise and so powerful and so beautiful and so good that we would seek to be in his presence and be guided by him in every part of our lives. How would you do your job as Jesus himself would do it? How would you value and use money as Jesus himself would do it? How would you parent your kids as Jesus himself would do it? How would you invite other people into the loving reign of God as Jesus himself would do it? And so on and so on. Follow me and I'll enlist you in my mission. That's the school of Jesus. Not primarily a matter of getting the right ideas into your head, but a matter of being the kind of person who loves rightly, who loves God, who loves neighbor, precisely by imitating the kinds of things that Jesus said and did. Friends, Jesus called ordinary people in the midst of their ordinary lives to do extraordinary things. And he still does. May that miracle, that miracle of discipleship continue in and through us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.